Go Late Selects. Brought to you by Sky. Watch new exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. On a scale of one to... Uh, Stormzy level of happiness when he met Roy Keane uh, in, in Old Trafford. How fucking happy are you today, Simon? Oh, I don't think I've been this happy since Norman Whiteside leathered in a half volley against Arsenal in the 83 FA Cup semi-final. Aiden. I'm very happy. <laughs> Let's do it! Well, welcome once again to Go Loud Select. Simon Delaney, a very happy Simon Delaney. Deservedly Olá. so. It's Olá, been Olá, a long Olá. time in the in the, the doldrums. But as uh, Eric Ten Hag said in some shape or fashion after they beat Liverpool uh, pretty comprehensively. Albeit 2-1 on the score sheet, but it was a, it was a boss performance. We we can fucking play football or something to that effect, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and just to see him say that, standing beside Roy Keane, Roy Keane meant, yeah, that's my boy. That's yeah, what we need. That's the full compassion. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as the presenter's like, I think it was lost in translation. No, he said it. He, he said yeah, it. Yeah, he said it. Yeah. Fair play to him. So I look, hope he's saying it many more times over the next few years. Well, we'll see. What's well, Elm is wonderful, and we will enjoy it. So, Go Loud Selects is a Go Loud original, a Go Loud production, and it is brought to you by Sky. And it is God all bless them. It is all about Sky because if you weren't watching the match last night on Sky, this is Tuesday when we're recording the podcast. You were watching Sky House of the Dragon. The road ahead is uncertain. But the end is clear. Against who? Whomever may dare to challenge us. You know what? There aren't many TV shows out there either. They get a red carpet premiere in Londinium. And this did last week. When when you are the follow-up, when you are the sequel or the prequel to uh, arguably the biggest show ever made, Game of Thrones, you've got to roll out that red carpet and it's got to be plush and it's got to have velvet ropes to go with it. And I guess when you're bringing a show like this to the screens and you're spending 16 million an episode and you have a massive cast and massive expectation. There better be good catering on the gig. Absolutely. And that first episode, you know, it's got to be good. And they've already smashed records with the amount of people who have tuned in uh, to watch uh, the, uh, the premiere episode of House of the Dragon. Um, I I took my uh, the litmus test for me was because I I have never seen Game of Thrones, um, and I just on social media last night I saw one pal of mine, an American actor, who said that uh, right, and I think I'll quote him when I say right, I'm going to give this shit a go. Never watch Game of Thrones. I'm going to get into this, mm. and then two hours later he he uh, he tweeted right, I'm in hook line and sinker. So that that for me is okay. Yeah, they got it right because I think I'd heard I'd heard that they had cut the first episodes. And weren't happy, hence the delay. I think they went back and recut it. Um, I don't know what the reaction has been, Edo. Is it good? The reaction has been phenomenal. You know, and like I said, there was huge expectation uh, yeah. from Game of Thrones fans, who you would think primarily are the ones watching this. If you've not watched Game of Thrones, uh, perhaps you're not going to dive straight into this. However, arguably you could because it's set before Game of Thrones. So maybe, 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 Simon, here's my brain at work. This is uh, a real insight into the hamster in my head. Maybe you should watch this before you watch Game of Thrones. And then you have the chronology. That's like saying you should watch Better Call Saul before you watch Breaking Bad, though. Well, I would have said that if I had thought of that, yeah. Or those... Uh, hey, John. Those, how's it going, guys? Those three... Hola, Johnny. Three Star Wars films released the in prequels. the 90s. Yeah. I mean, would you be bothered? For those, no, I'm, I'm talking... No. Oh, probably not. But I think 
the fact that House of the Dragon is so fresh now, people are still, you know, on board so much with that kind of Game of Thrones vibe that mm. it's, it's filling. Are you is, a fan, Johnny? Were you a Game of Thrones fan? Again, I'm missing dragons in your life. Watched probably half the first season. Thought Sean Bean was great. Loved the, the way Love he was. Sean Bean. Like, everything was bubbling up so nicely. All the characters, they were really well drawn. I thought, I can't. There's already about five seasons out at this point when I started getting into it. I was like, I've, I've stuff to do. Yeah. So I, really? I, I, I withdrew. Okay. But that wasn't out of disappointment. Like it, it really was building. You just weren't overwhelmed by the volume. You just committed. You just didn't. You just didn't do a full Roy Keane and go fully committed into it. No, I didn't do a and stand a full Roy Keane and try and end someone's career. But I, I do, I do think though that it's, it's smart of them not to wait like ten, fifteen years after the, the end of Game of Thrones. Like let's just get it going. I'm just talking obvious. Is he still there? No, you're talking about Roy Keane underneath you talking about dragons. Yeah, makes ever, some sort of sense somewhere, doesn't it? Fucking bad word about Roy Keane ever. Oh, Lord. So when, it, look, we don't need to tell people when and where this is on. Us promoting this is not going to up the figures hugely because it's going to be watched by everybody on the planet, bar me and Aiden. Um, and maybe, John, are you going to go in this time, Johnny? I think I might. Uh, Good I'm man. kind of stuck for a show at the moment other than um, what I'm watching. That's kind of, yeah, it's okay, but I need something a bit bit uh, more blockbuster I've got a show recommendation for you if you want it that's not involving dragons if you'd like it chaps would you like it would you like it yeah oh you're so convincing yes please <clears throat> right because I'm going to give you a recommendation here boys because I know both of you will absolutely adore this right that's how confident I am I'm as confident as I was when I gave you the offer okay oh, yes. all right wow okay well that's okay that's promising. so this this comes from the same people paramount plus god bless them which is available on your sky platform now it's made by would you believe i never even knew they had a studio but it's made by mtv entertainment right they have studios they make their own tv and they have given us season one because it's just being confirmed that there is a season two and it's a show called mayor of kingstown we don't break the law, Ma, you know that. We just bend it. Make peace. For everybody. I'm so familiar with what you do. Your father invented it. Not to be comp- confused with Mayor of East, East Town. East Town. East Town. This um, is Mayor of Kingston. Okay. This is a 10 part series. Are you still talking? <laughs> My brain's just catching up. Carry on. Carry on. Oh, Lord. So this is Mayor of Kingston. 10 one hour drama series. And it's set in uh, Kingstown. And it stars, when you hear this, Jeremy Renner, Ooh. Diane Weist, yeah, Aidan Gillen. Uh, written by Taylor Sheridan and Hugh Dillon and it's set in Kingstown Kingstown is the home to four huge prisons the town basically exists around these prisons as he says in the narration of the opening shots he says there's 20,000 inmates here and 40,000 people employed to look after them wow. so the, it's it's a prison town and Jeremy Renner's character uh, Mike McCluskey Irish American they're part of a, a powerful kind of power broker family the McCluskey family him and his brother kind of run the town but they don't he's not the mayor of Kingstown but Mike's character did spend time inside back in the day so he knows the prison system and him and his brother 
his older brother kind of now work as an intermediary for all of the gangs that populate the prisons. But they work as an intermediary between them and the prison service and the police in the town, of which the third brother is a member of. Diane Wiest plays their mother, who volunteers and teaches history in the prisons. So they are just surrounded by the prisons, the population, the people who are in there. It is a stunning piece of television. Now, it's hard to watch. It's gruesome. It is. It shows, like, this is warts and all. Mm. And it revolves around, so the first episode, I'm not going to, it's not a spoiler, because if something happens in the first episode where his Mike's older brother uh, gets killed. And the series is about how and why and who did it. And it just fucking unravels. Aidan Gillen plays an inmate, as Aidan Gillen does so well. Uh, he plays an Eastern European kind of kingpin who's been in prison for nine years, but is still controlling what's happening within the prisons. Mm. And it's just beautifully shot. The scripts are fantastic, brilliantly written by uh, Taylor Sheridan, Hugh Dillon. The cast is superb. The soundtrack is good. I watched all 10 episodes in a week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I did try to do two a night and I got, got to the end of it. And it's one of those as well. There are moments in it where you sit bolt upright and go, oh, fuck, what's going to happen now? So there you are. There is something Thank for you. you to watch, chaps. Mayor of Kingstown available on Paramount Plus through your Sky platform. Go get it, boys. Well, I'm going to take that recommendation seriously because you have credit in the bank with me for the offer. Yeah. And always well, will, actually. Always will. Good, good. I, no, I, I do think that you, you, both of you will genuinely like this because we were talking about prison dramas a while ago on the show where I mentioned like, there hasn't been a good prison drama since Oz. This is like Oz on steroids because it is, it's hard to watch, lads. There are some moments in there you go, Jesus, do I need to be watching this? Okay. But it is With warts a- and all, but so good. And Jeremy Renner is just so good at it. Is he? Yeah, he's a good actor. I do like him. I yeah. do love the fact that uh, Taylor Sheridan, who I didn't credit, obviously wrote both Sicarios, wrote Hell or High Water, there Wind River. He's a, he's a genius screenwriter. Yeah. And like he, he was in Sons of Anarchy as just a character actor. But like that guy yeah. has got some serious strings to his bow. Diane, and he's directed a couple of the episodes of this as well. Okay. Uh, so he's all in on this. And, and I see as I say, Kyle in Chandler's February, in it as well. <clears throat> That's right, okay. uh, Kyle Chandler. Um, there's there's a great cast in it. Diane Weiss is brilliant. Yeah, Diane Weiss, you mentioned, like she doesn't get enough props. I don't think, like two time no. Oscar winner. Uh, yeah, a, a great film I saw recently. I think you, you can get it on. Uh, I think it's on Amazon. We care a lot. Uh, a brilliant film um, with Rosamund Pike. I recommend to anybody. Just about that kind of the system of guardianship in America. Obviously, Britney was a, a victim of it. Mm, and yeah. Basically, they oh, conservatorship. Yeah, is that what they call conservatorship. It? She's a brilliant, brilliant she's actress, and, and she's brilliant in this. She kind of wears the kind of she wears the kind of badge of the the the, the long suffering mother so well in this. Um, and it was confirmed, as I say, it just only back in February that it has been renewed for a second season because the end of the, of the like the finale episode, Jesus Christ. And again, something happens, which I won't give away in the last episode. And you go, please, Jesus, tell me this is a second series. And no, there is, okay. which probably needs to shoot a bit. All right. Paramount Plus is the place Correct. to go for that. And it's called Mayor of yeah. Kingstown. Not to be Mayor confused of with Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet. When you initially said Kingstown, I was like, oh, is that in Ireland? So b- bonus points if you can tell me uh, what town in Ireland used to be known as Kingstown. 
John Leary. Correct, Simon. Correct. Thank you very much. I get the prize, which I'm sure will be posted to me post with haste. Uh, no, we're saving it for your birthday. We, you can't have two presents in, in two weeks. Yes, I can. Yes, <laughs> 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 I fucking can. Give me it. You're right. I want my cake and I want to eat it. Uh, do we have a guest this week? We do. Well, the Terry's Chocolate Orange has been in the fridge for the past number of weeks, but we have taken it out and it's about to be unwrapped by the one and only Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie. Brian, great to have you back. How you doing? We've missed you. Thank you. Um, I've missed you too. Yeah. Yeah, you should be an actor. That was so sincere. No, I'm being serious. I was. I was. I, was kind of, I saw it a couple of episodes with Brezzy. I was like, they're just getting celebrities now. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> Were you jealous of Brezzy being on? I've met Brezzy. That he somehow might replace you. I mean, he is like God's perfect gift. Like, I mean, I've seen him. Like, there's an aura of light around him. Like, it's, it's. I, I get it. Like, I, I, I'd replace me with him. That's if just I could. a ring light. He's like all those other influencers. Yeah. Never goes anywhere without. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's good lighting. <laughs> he always knows where to find his light. Yeah, exactly. And then just turn into a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't carry a chocolate orange on his person at all times, though. To be fair, I don't carry a chocolate orange on my person either. Like, well, this metaphorically, has been, you do. Metaphorically. The metaphorically, of course, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, no, so the film I have this week is... Oh, actually, sorry, before yes. you get into that, there is some major news from the world of cinema, as in it's, the industry of cinema, yeah. and it's not good. What is it? Yeah, so basically the second uh, largest cinema chain in the world, Cineworld, is apparently close to either insolvency or it's about to go into bankruptcy in the US. It's going to file for bankruptcy protection in the US. So essentially what's going on is, is uh, Cineworld have basically blamed the movie studios and they've said that oh, there isn't enough blockbusters coming in, that audience figures haven't bounced back to what it was pre-pandemic. There isn't that, enough block, blockbusters. That's all there is, is Jay's Marvel movies, etc., isn't it? Well, not really, no. Like, I mean, this year, like the biggest film, uh, Marvel film this year was uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm. And that kind of came and went from the cinemas. And in fact, that's going to be on Disney Plus, I think, either next week or the week after or something like that. So it's it's more of a volume thing as opposed to, it feels like any movie that's in the cinema these days is some class of a blockbuster. A blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. You think a Top Gun is probably the biggest one this year. And that's this it. Year. Um, but it's just the amount of films coming through the cinema are saying there's not enough. Exactly, yeah. And then not only is it not enough, but they're not enough to actually kind of tempt people to go back to the cinema as it were. Mm. Because you had like Nope, for example, like um, a Nope. Like I enjoyed it a lot, but I think the reviews were kind of a little bit, I don't want to say, they were... Mixed, yes, but they were on the positive side of mixed. Now, do you know what I mean? Like, as in, it was always kind of around the 70, 80% mark that people were getting at. Mm. And I don't think that was enough to draw people in. Top Gun Maverick. Well, here's the thing, Brian, right? Mm. From what you're saying, it it sounds to the naked ear that the quantity of films aren't there, i.e. films aren't being made anymore. But of course, more movies are being made at the moment. You've only got to look at the business. It's out the door. Yeah. But the problem is that they're not going for distribution into cinema chains. That's the bigger question. Why? So why as a producer is it more beneficial for you to get your movie on Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or Disney than it is to stick it worldwide into Cineworld's complexes? Can I have a guess at the answer to that? Go on, yeah. Is it that Netflix, Amazon, Apple go, hey, movie maker Brian, we will give you $100 $100 million uh-huh. guaranteed. Correct. Don't need to give a shit about opening numbers, opening weekend, blah, blah, blah. The money's already there. So from a movie maker's point of view, it's money up front. The pressure's off. It's money up front. That's it. It is money up front. And not only that as well is, is but cinema, like 
when Disney or Warner Brothers or Paramount make a film and they give it to a, uh, an exhibitor, like a, a cinema chain, they basically have to work out a percentage of how much the exhibitor gets to keep and then how much the cinema chain gets to keep. Now, in the first weekend, it's usually like 95% will go to the, the film studio. Then in the second week, it'll drop down to maybe 75%. Then by the third week, you're talking 50%. Or even in some cases, it goes down to 20, 30, 40 something like that. And that's usually because the cinema chain or the the studio will basically say, right, if you give us 95% on the first week and you basically bombard your cinema with Top Gun Maverick or Thor Love and Thunder, we will give you, you know, the the, the rest of the cinema kind of uh, money after the third week. It'll be all yours. You'll keep 90%. We'll get 10%. The problem with that is, is that cinema chain, or, or sorry, not cinema chains, um, movie studios now, like Disney, like Paramount, like Warner Brothers, have, well, Warner Brothers have HBO Max, uh, Paramount have Paramount Plus, and then Disney have, obviously have Disney Plus. So they want to shorten the window from when it goes into the cinema to when it goes into their thing, because they want to keep their cinema, or they want to keep their streaming platform stocked up with as much things as possible, and they want them faster than they got them. Mm-hmm. So... With the likes of Thor, Love and Thunder, I mean, that did get into the theatrical window, but by Jesus, it was by like an ant bollocks of how small it was. Like, it was really like just... (laughs) Can we all just try and imagine that just so you realise how tiny it is? Just tiny that is. Like, I mean, that was literally right in under the wire, like how quickly they got that into Disney+. Plus. Like, I think it was... But did it make money for them? Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it made money for him, but not astronomical money. I mean, not like the money that, like, you know, Black Panther made, not the money that, you know, Avengers Infinity War or anything like that. Like, I think it was under, I want to say it was between 500 and 700 million that it made. Right. But, like, to Disney Plus, like, you have to remember, they're paying for print and advertising budgets on top of that as okay. well. And that's usually, like, another 100 million on top of it. And then they've got to pay. So, until the streaming services run out of pots of money to pre order. Yeah. And front loads the financing of movies. That's not going to change. So how does cinema save itself? Well, okay, in the case of Cineworld, like it really is a case of just I think personally, I think this is my personal opinion, I think this is just bad man bad management on their part because they uh were trying to buy a Canadian cinema chain called Cineplex back in I want to say it was twenty nineteen. And they were initially going to pay somewhere between the region of two point five and two point six billion for it. COVID happened. They tried to pull out a deal. Cineplex brought them to court and the <clears throat> judge ruled in favour of Cineplex and fined Cineworld, I think it was like 1.3 or 1.4 billion. Yeah. And Cineworld then basically claimed, oh, well, this is our entire market capitalization. Listen, this is all the money we can possibly make. If you do this, you are going to put this company into the insolvency and you're going to put this company into bankruptcy. And if they go into bankruptcy protection in the US, they basically are able to get out of having to pay this one billion settlement to Cineplex. So there's a kind of feeling that the only reason Cineworld are talking about insolvency proceedings that they're talking about bankruptcy is is they're trying to basically avoid having to pay but they've another four billions worth of debt as well that's the other part of it as well yeah like i mean now that debt is you know it's the kind of thing of they owe you know for the leases of their buildings and stuff like that lecky bills everything all basically the day-to-day running of it like let me give you a line here from uh, the bbc news business section uh, writing about this story firstly they tell us that 
uh, Cine World employ over 28,000 people yeah. globally, some of which, of course, would be in Ireland. They operate in 10 countries. But however, they have a market value of around $69 million, but is carrying close to $5 billion. Mm. In debt, yeah, it doesn't take an well, that's sugar to be work, like, is it? You're fucked, yeah. yeah. Now, the 69 million, I mean, that's their share price, they're publicly listed, that's their mm. share price, and that's obviously shrunk down to basically nothing when the bankruptcy proceedings are in the air. Like, they'll just shrink down to that 69 million. The share, an individual share is currently worth four pence. There you go, four pence, yeah, wow, or yeah. four P as it's written on the BBC. Yeah, no, that's it, yeah, that's why. Like, <laughs> I don't I mean, know if this the, article is written by a 12 year old, there'll be four P, please, four P, anyway, not to laugh at it, it's uh, no, 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 but yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's. It's, I mean, like the other part of it is like you look at AMC Entertainment, which owns the Odeon Cinema chain here in Ireland, and you know has all the AMC theaters in the US. They are in; they are absolutely made over in clover. Like they are making money hand over fist, and you know even smaller <coughs> cinemas like you know like the Lighthouse or Palace Cinema here in Ireland, or even like the IFI or the Triscoll Arts Centre down in Cork, they all do good business. Like they all do good business. Like in Ireland. Like, cinema has, we have the highest uh, per capita attendance in all of Europe. Ireland has the highest cinema attendance per capita in all of Europe. You go to, Yeah, like, but the entire country's the same market size as Manchester. That's the thing, yeah. You see, like, yeah, I'm saying, like, that's obviously, that's, you know, very, I'm repeating, like, um, <clears throat> what's the word, industry group uh, spiel there. Like, as I just that's drummed into me because we work for White Eye Media as well. But like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, our cinema market is much smaller than the UK, is much smaller than Holland or whatever. But again, Irish people <coughs> love going to the cinema and people do go to the cinema a lot here. And it so pisses rain a lot here. But that's it. It's pissing rain. Good point, John. Yeah. yeah. It's pissing rain. Well, it's right. also it's a, a weather appropriate big, event. It also opens up a bigger thing of like why the big movie stars don't come here anymore to promote the movies because they don't have to. Yeah, no, market, like... The market size is too small. Yeah, and like, you know yourself, uh, Simon, like, the likes of Simon, or not the likes of Simon, the likes of, um, the likes of Colin Farrell. <laughs> Same thing, really. Same thing, Same thing. like, you squint Always your eyes. mistaken like, for each other. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, it's Simon... Simon Fardle. There's Simon Fardle. How are you getting on? Yeah, no. Colin Delaney. Oh, no, 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 anyway. He's getting closer looking to me when he was done up as the penguin. That's kind of <laughs> man, yeah, man, yeah, Come on now, come on. But no, well, but I he was would just make saying the point. before, what do you two said? But he would make the point. Like I remember for like that terrible film, Total Recall, he made the point. He forced Sony to come here and do the press <clears> tour here. Like tell me that to me, Kate Beckinsale. And let me tell you. Tell us. No, no do tell us. No one went up close. Wow. All right. Brian's eyes oh, have Brian's drifted off into the middle distance. I mean, like, that's... Yeah, that's a She's it. Down somewhere. She, that's a woman. You she know is it. Mean? All right, from uh, okay, the wow. demise of a, of a global <laughs> cinema to uh, the hotness of Kate Beckinsale and to whatever cinema you went to yeah. this week, what did you see? And uh, we'll get to breaking out the Terry's Chocolate Orange momentarily. Yeah, so the film is Beast. Um, this stars Idris Elba uh, and Charles O'Copley. It's uh, filmed in South Africa. If you've never been to South Africa, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's one of those like countries that when you actually put a camera in front of it, you're like, holy Jesus, how beautiful is this? Colourful. Just incredible. Beautiful, colourful, everything. It looks amazing. Like it just it's one of those like places that like when you put it on screen, it just soaks it all up. You know, mm. that kind of way. So what's going on here is it's very, very straightforward. Idris Elba is this uh, doctor who's estranged from his daughters. Uh Copley is his mate from college. Charlotte Copley is one of these anti-poachers which are basically the guys that go around defending um, the safari kind of parks and all that kind of stuff, stopping poachers from getting in at it. Mm. Um, he, Charlotte Copley takes Idris Elba and his two daughters out on this little tour 
while they're there, they encounter uh, a rogue lion. And essentially, oh, what those a rogue lions? what a rogue lion is, <laughs> is he a bad boy played like? by Russell Crowe, presumably. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> big hair and everything. Yeah, like, tattoos. Yeah, yeah, fighting around the world. Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw. I meant to say to you, I actually saw Russell Crowe walking up. Um, I own a road. Uh, in Drumcondra in Drumcondra like three weeks ago yeah they were he was filming. heading down to the cat and cage for a scoop <laughs> he was going out down with having a pint of bass having a pint of bass <laughs> oh, yeah. and then a one on one in Dorset Street <laughs> oh tasty going down there for a pint of bass <clears throat> bass but yeah no he was um, they were filming he was filming that film uh, filming that film do you hear me mm. the uh, the Pope's Exorcist dressed like in the full frock and everything like dressed like a priest walking up uh, Iona Road Yeah, you know that church um, it's the one. It's in an apartment block. It used to be a convent. I can't yes, say. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My father grew up around that area. I don't know it too well. Yeah, I know it well. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents were from just off Iona Road. Yeah, there I know you go. Yeah, you know that place. Yeah, they were filming in that church there, the one that's like yeah, they knew. being empty. Yeah, but yeah, um, so anyway, he did, he wasn't. Anyway, he doesn't play the lion in this. He doesn't film. play the lion in the, the rogue lion. <laughs> yeah, so a, a rogue lion <laughs> is a lion that has had his pride wiped out. And is now basically on the war path, and that's essentially. He's had a bad upbringing, this, and he's gone off the tracks. This line, is he? It's no, his family has died, so he's out for revenge. Vengeance. Yeah, that's it. It's like basically. Oh, they were killed by the poachers, no, yeah, and he's yeah, out for revenge. Yeah, anyways, yeah, and that's essentially what goes on. The rogue lion attacks Idris Elba and, and Charlotte Copley and his family, and they wow. basically have to try survive. That's a sky pay per view fight. I'd, I'd certainly hand money over to and, see. Like, I mean, I'm not ruining it now, but like Idris Don't Elba. Tell me who won. Don't well, tell me who won. No, I won't tell you who won, but like there's a part in where Idris Elba fights the lion, right? Of course there is, yeah. And is, this, audition for, is this the final audition for James Bond? Can now, he defeat a lion but with his like, bare fucking hands? With the CGI that they used, like it was so clearly not really Idris oh, Elba Christ. fighting the lion that you're like, you could there was 10 different ways you could have done this and mm. it would have looked great and it would have looked really kind of interesting and cinematic and 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 oh, they no. just they were like no we're going to have a CGI ragdoll of Idris Elba being fucked around the screen <sighs> by uh, uh, by a lion now the lion looked good this is the thing the lion was like shit that i mean that looks like a lion to me but Idris Elba looked like a ragdoll version of Idris Elba like just, you know, like an Encarta 95 version of Idris Elba being fucked around the screen. <laughs> but I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb here and say that Idris won the D. I mean, look, do you want me to ruin it for you? Does he lose any limbs? Listen, I'm not going to go and see the film. It's actually not that bad. I mean, I'm slagging it off. Okay. because I'm I just, slagging it off. I just Googled it, and the first thing that comes up, we get the IMDb and we get the cast list. But on the side of the Google page, I have an audience review. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Go on. This is one of the worst movies I've seen in a very long time. The plot is pointless and the execution of the story is just plain bad and leaves me questioning, what is the purpose of it all? One star. Like, okay. Like, you know, have a a can of Coke and chill out, okay? Like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I will say, it is a very derivative film. Like, it is basically Jurassic Park, Jaws, 
but you know, on ground and in the and in the South African outback. That's essentially what this film is. Man has to protect his family from wild animal that is coming to attack him. Then learns that there is a sort of a connection between him and the lion because it turns out that Idris Elba's wife <gasps> died of cancer and he abandoned his family and you know he's feeling a lot of guilt about it and the lion is actually you know abandoned his family as well and pride and all died. Man and beasts share story man and beasts line share of life. story and they have to fight in order to kind of wow. resolve it emotionally. I love so it. I okay, love don't I love don't it. spoil it for me. Then do they become mates and open a bar in Australia together or something I mean, at the end? In fairness, that ending. Yeah, would have been it. better would have been a better ending like if they did the whole like cocktail end yeah, and yeah. Then, like, yeah. them how that's to... what I'm thinking or they could you know maybe branch oh, they, off call and, the bar, and... they call the bar the lion's dead hey! oh! the, the pride of South Africa and whatever yeah or they could go off in like a buddy cop kind of role good cop Turner, bad cop they have a side bar and a main bar <laughs> go on Simon you're on come a roll. on come on what Simon. else oh, come on Simon come oh, on Simon just unbelievable uh, listen uh, in mm. terms of cracking mm. open the old chocolate, mm. many uh, many segments again. I would actually give this like a solid, like fifteen out of twenty, like three oh, out of five. Jesus, okay. really? no, I enjoyed it. Like this thing, okay, right? It's ninety minutes already. You're 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 winning them. If you can make a film under ninety minutes, yeah. You are already winning in my books. You are doing great. Okay. And we're wondering why Cine Warder and the shitter they're making movies where Idris Elba wrestles a lion. But uh, do you know what? You laugh, you you joke, Simon Delaney, but let me tell you, Cochise, right? When people walk up to a cinema and yeah. they look at the posters, they yeah. aren't looking at like, oh, well, yes, I've read the review, the Guardian review of Beast. Yes, I believe I think I'll go watch this. They're like, oh, yeah, give me two there for Idris Elba. Yeah, cool, yeah, I'll go watch that. And they'll come in and they'll enjoy it and then they'll have their popcorn and then they'll eat it. And then oh, it's an absolute, I'm not knocking it. Look, no, no, if it sells cinema tickets, great. And that's it. Like, I mean, the reality of it is, is that like, it's not, it's not, like taxing the brain in any way, shape, or form. But it's I'm just trying to get a picture of Idris Elba sitting in his office. I'm just trying to get a picture of Idris Elba sitting in his office at home <laughs> with a pile of scripts in front of him <laughs> and going, "Where's the one where I wrestled the lion? Where did I put where that? Where can I? You know, I'll, I'll do that one. Where now, can Simon, I, Idris as, an, Elba? as an actor, what is the what is the primary motivation for <laughs> accepting? Do that I script? fight a lion? And how good do I look when I'm fighting that lion? Go the check. <laughs> Exactly. And I would say Idris Elba made a few bob of this because, like, I mean, it's been released by Universal. Um, you know, they're promoting the shit out of it. Yeah. So, no, and I'm yeah, sure like he we're is, talking about blockbusters thing, not being the, in cinemas. There's a blockbuster. He's one of those. Mm-hmm. He's one of, he's a genuine movie star in terms of his name attached to a project gets it financed. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is, you know, he seems to be, you know, he's obviously, he's a very creative man. He had that series on Sky that he was involved with. He was directing, writing, starring. Yeah. You know, Yardy. I would have thought, I would have thought that there were more, not interesting meaty, projects. Meaty role. Interesting Ooh. projects. Tenuous, you know, but, you know. Pause for laughter. Pause Thank for you. laughter, media. And I, that, that's good. That's good. Now, was that PAWS, John? Of course. Was, okay, very good. Nice, nice. Well, nice. maybe he does a movie like this then that will eventually go on to finance, you know. Well, that's it. It's the Paul Newman thing, isn't it? Like, one for them, yeah, one for me, like, you know, so... All right, you're giving it 15 out of 20, which is a, a healthy score. That's a good... I mean, I tell you, I came away from it and I enjoyed it. It did exactly what it said on the tin. It's a perfect programmer film. Like, just literally bang it in there in 90 minutes, have a, enjoy it, and off you go. Beast. Okay, it begs the question, will there be a sequel, Brian? No, there shouldn't be. <laughs> there probably will be, though. I'm uh, saying that. Nor will there be a spin-off in the Australian bar. I mean, like, I think yeah, they have a row about what direction the bar is going in. One of the it just wants to open a late night disco kind oh, of bar. The lines not having it, and they they go off on a road trip. 
they, funny. they fall out. And they do they open the rival side. bars then, Simon? Yeah, and they open rival sort of... bars. The line, the line ends up opening a bar in Cancun in Mexico. That's a real dive bar. Idris uh, decides to go back Mexico. to London and open like a, a late night sort of West End Soho type bar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. then, then Idris finds out uh, in, in the second half of the movie in Act so Two that the line's actually not well. So he travels to Cancun because he's basically going over to say goodbye to the line. But okay. while he's there drinking a beer in the dive bar owned by the line, he comes to realize that that's actually the type of bar he wanted to open. So oh, he man. ends up selling the bar in London, moving out to Cancun. But unfortunately, the lion dies and he's left oh, with the no. bar on his own. He decides to carry on the lion's memory, uh, but ends up opening a chain of dive bars across um, South America. There you go. That's it done. And does he spend his, his evenings going around the bar just kind of telling war stories about the lion, you know, just living in the past? And no, he's he just sits at the broken. end of the bar. That shot where he sits at the end of the bar drinking a whiskey, he looks yeah. up at the frame picture of, of the lion behind the bar. Yeah. What's the lion's name, by the way? He's never named. But actually, you know, funny, <laughs> you, funny you say all this. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah, let's call him Jeffrey. Uh, no, that's actually, not, that's no, not a good like Jeffrey. Jeffrey doesn't sound like a name. His name is Jude. <laughs> Jude? Jude that, is it really? No. No, okay. I'm trying to think of a good lion's name because that should be the name of the bar. Larry. Larry's. Larry's bar. No, Larry the He's lion. He's too friendly. This okay. lion has a bit of depth. Lionel. Yeah. Lionel. <clears throat> that's good. That's Lionel Richie, though. You is it? I mean? Lionel Messi. That's worse. That's worse again. Um, Idris is actually a great name for a lion. It is, isn't it? Mm. It actually is, yeah. in fairness. Um, but Idris Elba is actually a club DJ. He has like a whole... I feel like we're on drugs all of a sudden, are we? <laughs> is this a real conversation we're actually having? <laughs> no, but Idris Elba, he's a club DJ. Back in the old days. Right. He used to come up yeah. to Dublin and yes. open books. Yeah, in the right yeah. venue as well he used to play, yeah. 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 You see, and that's what bleeds into the sequel because he wants to open that sort of club that's bar. That's it, yeah. That, I could that, see that. sort that. of phone bar thing. Yeah. But the uh, line Idris the Lion his records. is in the habit. <laughs> John Casey. <laughs> yes. That's where it all started. The Lion wrecked his vinyl. <laughs> yeah, and there was he a... Wrecked yeah. his vinyl. Um, well, he, yeah, Idris walks into the room and all his vinyl is all over the floor and the lion's sitting there going, I didn't touch it. Whoa, I didn't touch it. What? <laughs> yeah, what? What's what it what? I didn't think oh, you liked Steely man Dan. man alive. <laughs> yeah. And there that could go. be the, the kind of the, the buddy comedy version if we go that route. There's so much potential in this. There really is. So I think... Simon, I want to see your film more than I want to see Beast. To be well, there you go. And then I haven't even spoken about the animated version. <laughs> I was tenuously trying to move us on to talk about sequels, prequels, spin-offs, etc. Yeah. Because I think uh, we've all grown up watching some of the biggest sequels of all time. Jaws, Star Wars, Back to the Future. And it continues, obviously, because it, it makes a lot of business sense. Yeah. If you, if you have a good uh, oh, yeah, yeah, core you, product to, to expand. To keep it going, yeah. And yeah. we see it now with House of Dragons. You can go back, you can go forwards, <laughs> you can go sideways. I'm going to correct you. It's House of the Dragon, actually. House of the Dragon. Okay, I've just got lions in my head, so I the dragon, no okay, room for it's dragons fine. It's, there. It's fine, but it's House, House of, of, the, of the Dragon. Yeah. Maybe it's the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, opening question for five. Uh, John, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Favourite sequel of all time? I mean, there's some very obvious ones, Godfather, etc. But I might go for one recently. It's not maybe my favourite, but it's an interesting one, and I'm surprised there was a sequel, Sicario. Medellin refers to a time... When one group controlled every aspect of the drug trade, providing a measure of order that we could control. And until somebody finds a way to convince 20% of the population to stop snorting and smoking that shit, order's the best we can hope for. 
Ooh, the second one was yeah. excellent. Ooh, yeah, like they really work as a kind of companion piece to the first, has the same intensity. Oh, the fucking intensity. Benicio del Toro is amazing. It's, it's in it. just a constant trip of that tension music. Mm. Yeah, building, was that a remake building. or a sequel? <clears throat> Soldat, uh, the no, no, no. That was that was like Original it's very piece. like traffic. It's very like traffic. That film, from yeah, the 90s mm. with Michael Douglas. Yeah, but yeah, no, no. It was a, it was an original. The Sicario was an original <coughs> film, and then Soldado or Day of the Soldado was yeah. um, the sequel. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's a good pick. Um, are you saying if you were to pick them in order of preference, Sicario one, Soldado? I think two? the first one. Um, it's just so cynical. It keeps going to the last frame, and you think Benicio del Toro's character isn't going to be. He's going to be swayed somehow along this, his his path of revenge, but he isn't in the most cold, clinical, kind of business-like. Mm. The, like the last few yeah. scenes are very business-like. Credits, that's it. That's how the world works. Good luck. And then the, the kind of second one, it's a little more showy, a little more Hollywood in places, mm. like a few more set pieces. Like there's a kidnapping in broad daylight. There's a few you know, bits of pieces like that. But it has that same vein of just... You real know, cynicism. Yeah, yeah real cynicism. Real dark, yeah. Mm. You're not going to get, you're not going to be necessarily ruined for anybody in it, but like Josh Brolin's character is probably the closest to the kind of CIA. The feds. Yeah. Cal- even at that, like, I mean, when you mm. watch it, like, I mean, Josh Brolin's character, like, he's so, he's one of these people, like, he's such an operator, like, he's mm. just so, like, he's just like one of these people who's like, I'm just, like, if you want to do that grand, but like, I like, he's just so kind of like detached from it. Like he's so like, they're all so emotionally detached. And he wears flip flops for both films. Yes. And he's like running around killing people, organizing, killing people. And it's terrifying. Oh, he's horrible. He's so casual. He's yeah. just like in his uh, khakis and his flip flops. Like, okay, we'll do this, this and this. They'll all be dead. Can't link it to us. I've, I have to go get lunch now with my kids. Yeah, and just wearing flip-flops, yeah. Just like the kind of the detached nature of it. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah, fucking but there, There's definitely two films uh, worthy of Benicio Del Toro's talent. Yes. I think he's been in a lot of reasonable fare. A lot of shit. Like you mentioned Traffic, he was great in that. He's very good in a lot of things, but I just find sometimes he shows up in films that like, why are you in this? Like you're... Last Jedi would be the one I would think of. Yeah. He was in that and I was like, he was a complete non-entity in it. Like, he just, Isn't he in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, and again, like it's like, why are you here? Like, I do think we were talking earlier about Idris Elba taking the money. Like, I, I think that Benicio del Toro is one of those actors that like he's absolutely will take, he will take the cash in hand. Like, he'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. Mm. You know. And on one hand, well, that's that's fine, tremendously like, understandable. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, and also suggests well, that's a his certain, job at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make the money. Yeah, why not? And like, maybe sure. a certain humility that you're not like too up your own ass about the roles you do. In fairness, yeah, yeah, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, like I like that about him that he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go off and make a popcorn film. Why yeah, not? yeah, like, yeah. I'll take the money. Yeah, why not? Like, I need the fucking keys. You got go, What the fuck, Simon? Um, I've only I mean, it's hard to pick because there's there's so many. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only got examples of bad sequels where they didn't work. They just should never have been committed to celluloids. Like, there's yeah. so many. I'm going to start with one uh, that should, just should never have been done. Grease two. Oh yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah. Jesus. Grease two. Yeah. yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. There's absolutely no reason that they should have done the sequel, uh, and it fucking tanked critically and tanked the box office. Uh, it's it's one of those movies now. That's so bad, you actually have to see it. So if you do get a chance, if it is on the television, just just try and stick to the first 20 minutes of it. It's okay. an absolute bucket of shite and onions. Um, why, I ask myself, why? Why did they do that? Brian, help me. Aiden, John, why did they make Grease 2? Because Grease made a shit ton of money. <clears throat> Say, was it a, obviously, it's been on television forever and it 
it's like part of your popular culture for a long time. But was it a massive success when it was released? And big time, yeah, big time it was huge. The first one, Jesus, yeah, yeah it was number massive. one across it was the world, everywhere. Yeah, it was everywhere. And, and you add in a number one album soundtrack that was in these charts for about twenty years after it. I mean, it just made a f- absolute truckloads of money. Mm. And like, I think the reality of it is, is that like it was. In the same way that, in the same way that Dirty Dancing kind of was about, was about and was an emblematic of the end of an era, Greece was about the end of an era and was the end of an era. Because after that, like, I mean, there were no big musicals, not in, not on the level of Greece was, not until fucking Mamma Mia, really, like, do you know what I mean? That well, had the in same terms, kind of terms massive... Of- in terms of transferring from stage to screen, yeah. like you, you know, you look at Greece; it's still on. It's still touring the UK. It's still making money. Uh, yeah. Forty-five years later. Yeah. And um, the other one I'm going to give you uh, is another one that should never have been made. And I might actually surprise you by you might go, God, I never knew there was a second one. The Odd Couple. No. They made an Didn't Odd Couple too. Didn't even know that. You've never seen it, Brian? I've never seen it. I've never seen The Odd Couple. Okay. I didn't even know there was an Odd Couple too. Well, there you go. And let me even surprise you more by saying it starred Walter Matthau and Jack, Jack Lemmon. And it was written by Neil Simon. All three of the big hitters from the original, which I think, for my money, The Odd Couple is the greatest comedy ever made. That movie, I think it's that and Some Like It Hot are the two funniest uh, movies ever, comedies ever made. But they made a sequel. They made a sequel which featured Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. And the storyline is that Jack Lemmon's daughter is marrying Walter Matthau's son. And they've got to come together and go to the wedding. And it's it's absolutely dreadful. And it features like Jack Lemmon's my favorite actor of all time. End of no debate that he he is the greatest. And it just dies on its whole. It has one funny line in it, um, which is the movie opens with, you know, the you see the wedding invite, the wedding's on the next day, and you see Jack Lemon packing his case and heading to wherever California for the for the wedding, and he's being t- typically Felix. He's got his luggage packed perfectly. He's got his passports, everything, and he's he's two hours early for the flight. And on the other side, then we're seeing Walter Matho, who's forgotten the wedding's on, uh, fucking looks at his watch and realizes shit. I better get to the airport. And there's mayhem. So you, you're you're reminded the audience that Oscar was the slob and Felix was the he was the the organized one. And they eventually get together. They fly to an airport to meet. And they meet at the carousel. And of course, Matthew's late and he runs up and he's sweating. And Lemon, uh, Felix's character says, uh, my God, Oscar, you look terrible. And Oscar replies, I look terrible. I saw you and I thought you died and your mother had come to tell me. And that's it. That's the funniest line of the movie. Oh, <laughs> it, no. oh, it dies on its hold because it becomes a road movie. It becomes they can't get to the wedding and they have to, it's planes, trains, and automobile Ooh. style to get to this. It's fucking terrible. Why did they make that? Well, it was nominated in 1998 uh, in the category of worst sequel and most painfully unfunny well, comedy at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. It doesn't yeah, say whether yeah. it won or not. But it was go. an absolute turkey. But Jesus Christ, why did why did the two of them and and listen and and you're right. There's again, there's certain films uh, and TV shows that that are sacred and should be locked in a box. And but then if again, you, ever you think touch if it they again, got the two of them together, Edo, and and they and they also got Neil Simon yeah, to write. That's, I mean, like you, would think, you think how did it not work? Yeah, mm. three them at a loose end. 
I'd oh, say there's Jesus. an element of that, but like also as well, like isn't it a real <clears> thing of like you like when you look back at the odd couple and you look back at like a lot of these films, like it really was yeah. lightning in the bottle. Mm. That's it. Oh, absolutely. Catch lightning in the bottle again. And how fucking often does that work? Like it's a bit like the first flushes of love. It's very hard to rekindle yeah, it. But that's it, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah, but then again, you look at someone like Neil Simon. He went on to write an absolute bucket load of great movies. Lemon went on to make great movies. Walter Matthau did. Matthau and Lemon together went on to make even better movies like Grumpy Old Man. That was a brilliant movie. Yeah. And that was 20 years after the Odd Couple sequel. You know, so it would just why did it not work? And for me, it did, didn't work because the script wasn't good. And how is the script not good if Neil Simon's writing it and he knows who he's writing for and he knows what characters he's writing for? Like, what, what movie executive managed to actually get that over the line and go, no, listen, lads, this will work. And the script, yeah, we, you know, we'll work on it. The boys will, you know, they'll, they'll scat some, some great dialogue on the floor. And, but Jesus Christ, it was dreadful. Dreadful. All right, well, let me counter that with, with a sequel that was excellent, if not as good as the first film, possibly, possibly even better for some people. And uh, that was the second Naked Gun movie. This is Frank Drebin, police squad. Throw down your guns and come on out with your hands up. Or come on out, then throw down your guns, whichever way you want to do it. Just remember the two key elements here. One, guns to be thrown down. Two, come on out. Oh, yes. good. I like it. Yes. So there, yes. there's a, an example of where they had great actors, great comedy yes. writers, and they went, there's still more gags in this. There's still more. Oh more we can mine from this but that was so good that like it was a TV series there was that much good material they just could make about 12 I'm so glad you said that and my my favourite line from that one I haven't had this much sex since I was a boy scout leader (laughs) (laughs) my favourite bit my favourite fucking bit in in the Naked Gun 2 I'm so glad you talked about this this is brilliant there's a bit in it right where OJ Simpson let's just put it out there OJ Simpson is in this um, he breaks into stop with the fucking spoilers <laughs> anyways basically OJ Simpson breaks into this um, like a uh, 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 fucking dock but he breaks into this dock and he's like everyone put your hands up and all the guys take out their guns and then one guy just like drops his gun and he puts his hand to the I don't know why I find it so funny. Oh Christ! I fucking love the Naked Gun so much. The third one is good as well. It is, yeah. The third one, Anna Nicole Smith, is hilarious. And your man who died recently, um, oh Christ, um, he was in the right stuff. I will say, like the one thing I've I've always enjoyed about all of the Naked Gun films is that they George ca- Kennedy? No, not George Kennedy. Fred, Fred Ward. Something Ward? Oh, Fred, Fred Ward. Ward. Fred yeah. Ward, yeah. Yes. Fred Ward. Rocco. Rocco, yeah. He was in the third one. Yeah, he was brilliant. Um, but the villains that they always cast in the Naked Gun films have always been brilliant. Because the first one you had Ricardo Montalban, Khan from Star Trek, playing this, like, you know, really debonair businessman. The second one, they had Robert Goulet playing Quentin Habsburg. I remember that <laughs> Go one. Go you. Yeah. Go I have you. all that information. Yeah, Quentin Habsburg. Uh, and like he was uh, a card player in it, and he was again another evil business type. And then the third one obviously had Fred Ward, who was Rocco and Nana Nicole Smith. <laughs> like they were so like in the case of like Fred Ward, absolutely playing to his type, like hard case prison guy. In the second one, uh, Robert Goulet was like you know the character he played was this like you know debonair businessman who wanted to like dump a load of crude oil or something like that into Los Angeles, like total bullshit like stories, but like. And then Ricardo Montalban, he was like this, uh, he was a businessman who was an assassin who was going to use uh, a radio control device to kill the queen. I was like, yeah, 
But yeah, that's my Republican tendencies coming out there. But yeah, no, like, oh my God. And like all three of them are just as funny as the last one. They're like, there is no drop in quality at any point. in the But it's like one movie. That's what I'm saying. It's like just a continuation. That's why it works. It's just a joke. And like, it's funny because you look at Airplane 2, fucking terrible. Mm. You look at Caddyshack 2, awful. 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 Absolutely terrible. But Naked Gun 1, 2 and 3, Perfect. Not a not the quality. A, yeah, it feels like it just it maintains. Just, well, it's just maintained yeah, the whole way through. Better. Yeah. There's any other amount? Is any, any that really stand out for you, Brian? One actually that's I've, I'm I'm reading. I'm not watching it. I'm reading it. Is Michael Mann's Heat Two? Heat Ooh. Two. Yeah. Okay. So has Heat Two been made as a film? No. no but there's a book. But there is a book. A um, book that was released last week. So and they, last, and okay, they are so, making the sequel. So will though, there be they? a they're trying. So, okay, so basically, he too is is it's set in 1988 when uh, Al Pacino's character first came to LA, and how Val Kilmer's character met Ashley Judd, and also Neil Mac- uh, Robert De Niro's character, how they all basically came together. That's one part of the book. The other part of the book is is literally the day after the events of Heat when Val, Val Kilmer's character is trying to get out of Los Angeles and yeah. he's been haunted by uh, Al Pacino. And then, the, and then the book jumps forward to 2002 when Chris uh, Shaherlis, Val Kilmer's character, is like in down in South America working for a lot of, of uh, drug cartels. Working for Idris Elba in a fucking bar. In a bar, yeah. He like stops in at the bar, yeah, and he's like having a drink and it's... it's <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to... Let's yeah. not go there. Good callback. Good callback. Good callback. <laughs> Um, it's brilliant. I'm enjoying it so much. So and actually, good. Simon, I think you would get something out of this, right? Because I feel like when I'm reading it, I actually feel like I'm reading Michael Mann's script and oh. his script notes. Do you know that oh. kind of way? Like, he stops, pauses, looks around himself. He knows this means too much, but he has to keep going, kind of stuff. Like oh. It really feels like he's... The notes for the actors are on the page. Yeah. And I really am enjoying it. Can I can I throw in for me? Go on, Val, Val Kilmer's finest performance is Heat. Yeah, I he have to disagree. Oh, Tomb, uh, Tombstone is his best performance. Oh, it's Doc, Doc Holiday. Tombstone. He's amazing in that. He's dying for the whole film of like tuberculosis. Yeah, uh, he comes across as kind of worldly, kind of arrogant, but at the same time, like he's he knows his time is up. Uh, he's obviously a sharpshooter, etc. But he has something about him that he's barely on the screen, really, when it comes to like all oh. the, the fury of Kurt Russell, etc. But he's amazing. Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. Every line he has in that film, like, mm. I'm your huckleberry. Yeah. Like, it's so, like, oh, shit. And his deathly saying? pallor and the way yeah. he looks. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, him against um, Michael Bean as well. Yeah. Like, that real kind Circling of... Circling each other in right. the autumn leaves. Oh, oh it's amazing. Right, John. I was only saying. Was only my but, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he is, like, <laughs> I will say, like, I think Val Kilmer, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> him and Heat, like, he's got that real focus. Like, he's, like, really, like, like there's just no expression on his face. Like he's just so kind of like dead calm in it. Mm. Um, We've all seen the documentary about him, the real life. Documentary. Oh, I, do you know what? Yeah, I oh, couldn't recommend it enough to, I, to get a full understanding of him. I I'm telling myself I'm going to sit down and watch it. 
And it's such a touching moment in it when he goes to a viewing, a screening of Tombstone. Yeah. He goes to, oh, um, it's, it's kind of sad. Well, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Please tell me they're making heat too. Please. I apparently, apparently, Michael Mann said, "Yeah, oh yeah, I've got a script ready to go." But like, you have oh, to remember, like, yeah. you know, don't uh, worry, they can de-age them. They did it in the Irishman. I mean, the only way they could do it is if they set it in like the eighties. Which look, it's Michael Mann. He like he like he created Miami Vice. Yeah, he's he, the man born to make stuff set in the eighties. Exactly, so he can totally do this if he wants to. I hope he does. I really, really hope he does. Oh wow! But That's the book promising. is brilliant. The That's book is promising. brilliant. I would Jesus go out and buy the book. Like it's so. Well, good. I will, I think, but I'm just going to drop a hint here and say it's my birthday in a couple of weeks. So if anybody, you know, well, can you be more specific with 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 with, with a date or a, a fucking star sign? Even the second of September, Friday. Uh, the okay. Of September. It's not a national holiday yet. I no. mean, it will be in years Simon's to come. Saint Simon's Day. Saint Simon's Day. No, 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 no. The Ladies' no, Day. No. Well, uh, no. happy birthday in advance, just in case we no, all forget. In case, you don't see it. <laughs> in case uh, Brian, you you have till the second to finish to, the book. To, 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 to give finish the, the book, you have to look up here. <laughs> don't mind these marks; they're grand. But it's got all the director's notes in it. <laughs> I've underlined passages. I think between now and next week, you could do far worse in life than going and watching all three of the Naked Gun movies. Oh my god, they are very underrated. As in, they're on like you know television. Oh yeah, and you say you watch it. You, you sit usually, down, and you have a good time. You miss the first half hour. It doesn't matter. You have a bit of crack with it. Uh, I like to discuss, and I know it's kind of viewed as maybe adaptations, but the amount of those things like Fargo, a League of Their Own, etc., they've all become more TV series. They're exploring quote the universe of the of the characters. Uh, I started watching a League of Their Own. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. The film is a tidy little, what was it, 105 minutes. Mm. Um, they've kind of gotten rid of the main protagonists. They're just doing more. James Corden is not in this League of Their Own, right? Oh, thank God. Just in case That's, there's any confusion. I used to hate constantly seeing, oh, League of Their Own is, oh, it's the bloody. It's the fucking it's TV the, show. It's yeah. the sports quiz. But like, in fairness, that, that wasn't a bad sports show. It was just James Corden was like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, he's quite annoying. This show is not annoying. It's very good. Yeah. But it deals with like the whole issues of like you know sexuality you know uh, racism they completely avoid that in, in the movie mm. there's one scene in the movie where uh, an errant kind of baseball goes to this black lady and she throws it back and they're like Actually, wow yeah. and then walks and away. they just ignore her then they go back to what yeah. they're doing um, Fargo is another good example yeah. I obviously loved the film the film was pretty perfect and when I heard they were making a TV series I thought look as Aiden says leave that in the box don't touch it it's perfect as it is but to be fair like anything I've seen of it first kind of Two seasons, anyway. Excellent, really, really good. The the second season of Fargo, I think, is one of the best TV series. The way it builds and builds and builds to that like final crescendo of violence. Oh my god! Like I honestly think the second season of Fargo is like one of the best seasons of TV I've seen in the last. Is that really? the Martin Freeman one or is that the later one? Yeah, the Martin Freeman. No, the well, the second season is the one with it's, friend, uh, it's, it's your friend uh, Simon Patrick fucking Wilson. We stood on the deck and waved him in. One by one, they'd land, unload, and then we'd push the whirly birds into the sea. The damnedest thing. But then this Chinook comes, and those things, well, you can't just land one on a ship this size. So we wave him off. But the pilot's got his whole family inside, and he's running out of fuel, so it's now or never. So he hovers over the deck, start jumping scared or not onto the ship 
There's a baby. Literally a, a tiny baby. And the mother just, just drops him. And one of my boys, like catching a ball. Patrick oh, fucking Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's great in it. Simon, Patrick fucking yeah. Wilson. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you a little story if Ooh, I can, if I can divulge for a moment. And Simon, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, but let no. me tell you this story. So once upon a time, long ago, I used to have my own show. It was called The Film Show and it was for my website, entertainment.ie. And we used to have, any time we'd mention Patrick Wilson, we used to all stop and talk about how much <laughs> we love Patrick Wilson. Because he a, he's a really, really fucking good actor. Like mm. He's such a good actor. And my old boss, Mike Sheridan, uh, one time, this is, I swear to God, this is God's honest truth, right? Now, Mike Sheridan, if you don't know, he's like big into MMA, you know, very, very much a uh, built-in masculine. He's fucking jacked. Mike's yeah, yeah. a great Nick. And <laughs> yeah. yes, and he took part in an MMA fight and made a documentary about That's it. That's right, yeah. yeah. And like he was just like sitting there one day and I saw him like looking at the screen like this and he had the headphones on and he was just sitting like this. I was like, walk up behind him, what the fuck are you looking at? And he takes off his headphones and plugs the thing out. He was listening to Barbara Streisand and Patrick Wilson singing a yeah. song from the Sondheim musical. Yep. And he was like, this is fucking amazing. You've got to hear, listen to his fucking voice. And he was right. <laughs> He's right. It was like, it's like loving you. It's amazing. Like, this song is incredible. Like, I was like, that fucking man. We've got to get him on the show. we fucking got to get him on the show. And I don't know how it happened, but Simon Delaney, Simon Delaney uh, was doing The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist, and somehow managed to get... Patrick Wilson to record a shout out for our show that we played on it wow. and let me tell you showbiz baby showbiz baby <laughs> but we were like holy shit Patrick Wilson fucking heard of us what the actual fuck and then <laughs> and then like four months later I was doing the junket for Aquaman and I walked in and he was there and I was like oh hi and he goes I said I'm I'm Brian Lloyd this is I'm from entertainment that he goes you're at Simon, Simon Delaney. Oh, yeah. And we were like talking about Simon Delaney for about like five minutes. And I was like, you know, he's like a household name in Ireland. Like he's got like, a, like he's on a breakfast TV show, slagging off Ireland AM. Does cookbooks and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah. That's just my buddy Simon. All this. So I was like, yeah, it was amazing. I was like, that was the most Hollywood dickhead I've ever been in my life. I was like, oh, yeah. Me and Patrick Wilson hanging out, talking about our mutual friend, Simon Delaney. There Do you, you know, go. Simon, that National Day named after That's you coming. Is, is coming. You just yeah. don't realise how you, you change people's lives. There you go. Yeah. You know. there you go. It'll, be the, it'll be the first Monday after the Marty Whelan weekend. <laughs> you just need Marty some, Whelan, Mardi Gras. You yeah. just, uh, Simon, all you need is some lad to tattoo your face on his arse. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you're golden. That's I'm it. sure they're out there. I'm, I'm sure, sure they're out there. there. We just haven't found them like yet. Like Alan Partridge, like he's got it on his <laughs> chest. Like. Well, Patrick Wilson <laughs> is a is a Broadway baby, and he yeah. started on Broadway. The man, he's one of those true American triple threat actors. Yeah. He can sing, act, and dance. He's now directing. Uh, I was actually talking to him last week, and he's now directing. How is he? He's good. He's directing. I think Insidious. That's two. right. Yeah. No, Insidious um, three. I think it is three. Yeah, he's he's now directing. There. And I was texting him to ask him why I'm the, why I'm not in the fucking film if I'm such a pal of his. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, the least yeah. you could do is, is uh, by way of consolation, is come on the podcast and maybe do another shout yeah. out for Brian. What about that? Don't I mean, that's kind worry. of the least. I mean, what he could actually do, the we have least, to think about. Yeah. But like, 
that's just for starters, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even get him, get him on the get him on the field, like you know, what I mean? yeah. put it in out there. Yeah. We'll, we'll right, so League of Their Own is is worth a watch. Well worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of tackle those issues a bit more head on than they do in the film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the film was Tom Hanks and Gina Davis and others. Madonna's in there. Yeah, a good. It's the ultimate sleepover movie. Good crack. The the TV show is a bit more of an edge When's to it. When's the last time you had a sleepover? Presumably not since you were a kid. Yeah, I think I was always subjected. Had, had I, do you know what? The ultimate sleepover movie for me. I know this is probably a separate episode. Go on, Ferris Bueller. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is is that not the ultimate? Oh no, what's the other one? The Breakfast Club. The the ultimate bunk off school yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That or the or Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Something that imbues you with a sense of you know I'm gonna light something on fire, do something I shouldn't be doing because I'm watching this film. Well, how about then? Stand by me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Stand like if I've you, never if seen you, the Goonies. Haven't. <laughs> What? Yeah. I love I love warping Brian Lloyd's mind by saying I haven't seen something. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life. First you gotta do the truffle shuffle. Come on! Do it! Come on! Do it! You of Simon, you'd love it. Uh, no, I wouldn't. You would. Oh you would, Simon. Ah you would. Would they? Yeah. yeah and your would. kids would love it as well. Yes. yes. The lads would love it. Adventure okay. film. Lisa's out today. Get the boys in, cancel <laughs> whatever the they're goonies. doing. Come on, come and, on in there, lads. And stick on the Goonies uh, later today. I'm telling you. You'll, no, seriously, kids will love it. I love that. Come on. Charlie. How do we get there from where we started? I mind you, that's what this show is, isn't it? It's a crazy journey, guys. It's a crazy journey. It certainly is. Brian, you're a gentleman. Thank you for taking that deep dive with us and thank you for recommending uh, Beast so highly. I'm currently online booking tickets as we speak. <laughs> the cynicism in your voice. Don't everyone let him tell you you're not a good actor. You're a great actor. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Right, Brian Lloyd goes off into the distance with uh, f- only five segments left out of his Terry's Chocolate Orange this week because he gave 15, Ado and John, to Beast starring uh, Idris Elba, which is on the cinemas right now. Yeah. Uh, and I gave you as a quick recommendation, Mayor of Kingstown starring Jeremy Renner, Diane Weist, 10-part uh, one-hour drama series over on Paramount+, Plus, which is available through your Sky platform. And of course, Sky gave us... Uh, doesn't need any help at all from us, but we will mention it. The house of House of the Dragon, their house of the I don't know something to do with dragons in the house. You've got the letters and the words. I don't just don't think they were in the exact in, right order. In the right order, as House of the Dragon. Very good. That's available now on your Sky platform, gentlemen. What did we learn this week? Oh God! Uh, amongst many other things, I think we've learned that Idris Elba. Uh, needs a new screenwriter when he's going making movies with a like. There's just so much more he could have explored with that story. They really, uh, they really didn't do it justice. I think I'd agree with that. Uh, and then we talk about sequels, mm. uh, the ones wanted and unwanted. I'm sure Simon, the one you want now is a repeated a performance there. We saw from uh, your beloved Red Devils. Are we going to get it though? I'm not sure this is going to turn to a, a successful franchise just yet. Who knows? <laughs> I learned this week, chaps, that for ten pence I could get two bags of penny sweets and two shares in Cineworld. Bye. <laughs>